This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Tuesday, December 14th. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Here's what you need to know today. The creator economy boomed in 2021. Plus, federal student loan payments are coming back. But first, today's one big thing. New insight into Donald Trump, Benjamin Netanyahu, and the historic Abraham Accords. Yesterday was a historic day in the Middle East. The Israeli Prime Minister, Naftali Bennett, met the de facto leader of the United Arab Emirates, Crown Prince Mohammed bin Zayed, during the first ever official visit to the UAE from Israel. This is happening 15 months after the Abraham Accords, the biggest breakthrough in Middle East peace in a quarter century. It normalized diplomatic relations between Israel, the UAE, and three other Arab countries. It turns out this important agreement was almost accidental. And that story is the focus of season three of Axios's podcast, How It Happened, reported by Barack Ravid. Hi, Barack. Hey, Naila. How important was the relationship between former President Trump and former Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu when it comes to achieving the Abraham Accords? It's actually pretty amazing that they were at the lowest point of the relationship dealing with the real clash between Israel and the U.S. at the time. And they managed to turn this huge potential crisis into a historic diplomatic breakthrough. And it was never planned like that. At that point in time, Trump was not a big fan of Netanyahu anymore. It built on a lot of frustration that Trump had about Netanyahu, starting with the a launch of his peace plan in January 2020 at the White House. As one former White House official told me, Netanyahu gave a speech and turned Trump into a potted plant. Israel will apply its laws to the Jordan Valley, to all the Jewish communities in Judea and Samaria, and to other areas that your plan designates as part of Israel, and which the United States has agreed to recognize as part of Israel. And Trump really didn't like it. That was really going too far. That was going way too far. And we we were not happy about that. So if Netanyahu would have taken a unilateral step without the green light from Trump and go ahead with his annexation plan, this would take us to really uncharted territory when it comes to U.S.-Israel relationship. That we would have gotten to an unprecedented clash between the U.S. and Israel. But we got the Abraham Accords instead. Yeah, when the UAE came with this idea and they said, you know what? Put annexation on hold, take it off the table. Instead, we want to normalize relations with Israel. And when the White House special envoy at the time said it was like it was God sent. Here's what we needed to solve this crisis and to take it to a much more productive direction. And this is exactly uh, what happened. They negotiated those deals for another few weeks and announced them 
on August 13th and the entire world was completely surprised mainly because everyone was still thinking that the annexation crisis is actually going to happen and all of a sudden we had an announcement on a diplomatic breakthrough. Now, I think that the conventional wisdom or people who I would think, especially in American audience, when they think of President Trump and Benjamin Netanyahu, they think of really good friends. Take what you just said, multiply it by a thousand. This is what people in Israel thought about Trump and Bibi. Okay, what Trump told me was that he when he assumed office, what he knew from before and what his people told him when he started being the president was that. The Palestinians were rejectionists, obstructionists, and the Israelis really wanted peace. And he told me the story is much more complicated and that while the Palestinians are difficult, the Israelis are no angels and they are much more interested in maintaining the status quo instead of trying to change it in return for some sort of a, of a peace deal. And when the time came to present it, Trump realized that Netanyahu wasn't really interested in you know, trying to get a two-state solution. He was just interested in the land grab in the West Bank. And I think that this was this aha moment for him when it came to Netanyahu. Barak Ravid is the Axios Middle East correspondent based in Tel Aviv. And his reporting, as we've been talking about, is featured in the third season of the Axios podcast, How It Happened, which is out now. And he's also the author of a new book, Trump's Peace, the Abraham Accords and the Reshaping of the Middle East. Thanks for joining us, Barak. Thank you, Naila. In 15 seconds, Sarah Fisher joins me to talk about the biggest media trends this year. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome back to Axios Today. I'm Nyla Boudou. All this week, we're talking to Axios reporters about the biggest stories and trends of 2021. Today, let's turn to our friend Axios media reporter Sarah Fisher for what stood out this year in media. Hey, Sarah. Hey, Nyla. Okay, Sarah, in smart brevity style, you've got three big themes for us for this year. What's the first one? So the first big one is consolidation. Entertainment firms have been racing to merge and acquire other smaller companies in order to prepare themselves for the ongoing streaming wars. So you saw on Monday, Fox Entertainment announced the purchase of Marvisa, which is a smaller independent studio. We're waiting next year for Warner Media and Discovery's merger to close. There have been a ton of these smaller deals as Hollywood looks to produce more content for streaming services. The other big deal that we're looking out for is Vox Media is expected to acquire Group 9 Media, and that would create one of the largest digital media holding companies that there is today if that deal were to close. Okay, so media consolidation was a big theme of 2021. What else? Press freedoms have taken an unprecedented hit during the pandemic, and this is especially true in poor nations and in countries that are teetering on the edge of democracy. The Committee to Protect Journalists said last week that more journalists were jailed in 2021 than at any time before. 
The pandemic has really provided cover for autocrats that are looking to go after the free press using measures like fake news laws and internet blackouts. Those measures are really meant to silent dissent. What's your final trend of the year, Sarah? The creator economy has totally boomed during the pandemic, and especially in 2021. A record number of people online are making money as creators. More platforms from Spotify to Instagram to TikTok are investing in opportunities to help people connect with their audiences and monetize their audiences online. The big trend for 2021, of course, was live audio and then vertical video. So many platforms introduced both of these features into their products this year. Before we let you go, what's one big thing you're going to be watching heading into 2022, Sarah? I'm curious to see whether or not regulators are going to become more involved in some of these media mega mergers. You're starting to hear senators call out the Warner Media Discovery merger because potentially it would be so big that it would limit competition for smaller voices. This was not a concern a few years ago, but fast forward to today when misinformation is a huge problem and diversity is a huge problem, regulators are starting to be more vocal about these big deals. So we will also continue to see regulators come down on social media for these same reasons. Regulators are expected to continue to investigate social media platforms and put pressure on them. Yes, for reasons involving antitrust, but also for some bigger issues like hate speech and misinformation. Also things like data privacy and security. Sarah Fisher is Exus's media reporter. Happy holidays, Sarah. Thank you, Nyla. Happy holidays. One more thing before we go. Starting next year, federal student loan payments are back. After first pausing loans in March 2020 and extending that pause four times since, the Biden administration has confirmed that monthly payments will resume on February 1st, 2022. If you're a borrower who's facing financial hardships, you do have a few options available to make monthly payments more bearable for you. You can go to studentaid.gov for details. And in the meantime, We'd love to hear how the student loan payment pause affected you this past year. You can send your thoughts by email to podcasts at axios.com, or you can text me at 202-918-4893, and we'll pick up this conversation in the new year. That's all we've got for you today. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and we'll see you back here tomorrow morning.